Welcome to the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. The Big Lead on The Shift. I'm Shane Hewitt here on The Shift, and you know, everybody loves talking about politics. I know when I woke up this morning, I was like, whoa, let's talk politics today. Um, and Shachi Curl, of course, the same. Although, in all fairness, Shachi, uh, you do get very excited about numbers and stats and spreadsheets. So, I don't know. I do like stats. Hey? I do like stats. But they can be stats about anything. I, I can do hockey stats. I can do football stats. I can do political stats. It's all about I the like research. That's are cool. Yeah. All about the research. I get made fun of because I personally love spreadsheets. And so when I'm talking to somebody, it'd be like, Chet, you would say, like, let me guess. I'm about to get a spreadsheet. I'm like, yes. Hello. Who are you talking to? Uh, There you go. Love sorting through it. Okay. Uh, Elections. I put my bet in an envelope and I said, yes, we're going to have one. Now, that's not quite the research that you did, but you did ask Canadians with the Angus Reid Institute, would you be into one? And how did that go? Well, what we asked specifically was not necessarily like, would you be into one? How do you feel if one were called? Because invariably, Canadians are grumpy about elections, particularly if they're not sort of these every four year deals where you've had a majority mandate governments going back to the electorate and saying, "Okay, well, we'd like another mandate, please. Um, What I know and what you know and what history tells us is during minority governments, when you have one election after another, after another, uh, voter turnout tends to drop. And we saw this during the Harper years. We had uh, an election in uh, 06, 08, 11, and I believe the 08 election had very, very low turnout. Oh, let's not forget there was one in 04. So for a while, we were voting about every two years. Canadians didn't like that. Um, this year, 2020, is especially wonky because of this little thing called the pandemic. And so the question we put to Canadians is, hey, given everything that's going on, how comfortable would you be going and casting a ballot in person at a polling place in the same way you've more or less always done through all past elections? And here's the big takeaway. Nearly 30% say, uh-uh. I'm not comfortable with that. But the way those numbers break down, Shane, along political lines is really something remarkable because it actually gives the Conservative Party a bit of an advantage or a bit of a boost. And what I mean by that is more people who vote Liberal and vote NDP are way more uncomfortable with showing up to a ballot booth in person and CPC voters who are all like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'm totally cool with that. Well, isn't that interesting, too? Now, I suppose, has the question been answered, is this a COVID decision or is this a party decision? Because I would suppose that as a you know a Canadian, we might not be able to separate that in our thoughts. Or did you were you able to find the, the science questions that dug, dug into it? Well, here's the deal. We know that there is strong correlation ideologically between uh, people along the political spectrum, whether you're right or left, and how you feel in general about being cautious during the pandemic. So past conservative voters, there's a correlation between being not all that keen on wearing a mask 
and voting conservative, being more keen to open up businesses and, and institutions and get the economy and communities and running again and being pro back to school. Yeah, get the kids back to school than people on the left side of the spectrum who are all like, I would err on the side of caution about all of those things. So we know those divides exist. Some of that, as I say, is ideological. Uh, you know, the conservative uh, voter has a bit more of a libertarian streak. I'm better equipped to make these decisions than the government is. Uh, and then on the on the other side of the spectrum, you've got left of center voters going, you know, I'm going to listen to the public health experts and I'm going to take their guidance and I'm not going to make this decision for me. So that's where you see it. Here's the takeaway. There's a couple of takeaways. First of all, um, I think if you are Jagmeet Singh or Justin Trudeau looking at those numbers and you're seeing what's going on with your own base and how uncomfortable they're expressing themselves to be about voting in person, you're going, do we really want to roll the dice on this? Like, do we really still want to have an election if we have to worry about our base coming out to vote? But at the same time, I would imagine those would be the same kind of voters who, if they're expressing discomfort now, who would probably say, look, I'm cool with the idea of a mail-in ballot, or I'm cool with going to the polling stations, provided Elections Canada has adequately reassured me that it's safe to go. But, you know, it's still it's still an X factor. It's still something that uh, causes some uncertainty. And so, you know, there's no there's no allowing for for human psychology. Um, you know, that's 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 why it is an imperfect science. And it's probably something that would give uh, left of center parties a moment to pause and, and really discuss, do they want to go to the polls? I think it also really gives us a sense of, are we going to see elections just done differently in the future? Will mail-in going forward now be a big part of how we vote in the future? Um, are, are we going to look at other ways and methods of casting our ballots, given that in-person does feel so uncomfortable? So just like COVID-19 has catalyzed and sped up so many other changes, if there is an election, will this also be an election where the way we vote is is uh, permanently shifted or changed? It is remarkable, too, and incredibly consistent when you look uh, even at provincial governments. Um, and, you know, in the more conservative provinces with provincial governments that have been elected, uh, you start to see a very similar pattern to the numbers when you look at it from that perspective, too. Uh, what about um, what about setting appointments to voting? Um, you know, would something like that appease this? Because really, when you look at the scope of things, uh, conservative voters typically going to be displeased with everything the government's doing around this. Uh, the more liberal voters going to be like, yeah, they're not doing a bad job. So it does all kind of make sense. But it also seems like it's a bit of a perfect storm for these results. I mean, if I want to go to the gym, at least in my community, I have to set an appointment to go and reserve my spot. Is that anything that's been tossed around as a possibility in any of this research? Well, I mean, uh, not in this particular study, but but it, it, it looks like there's a lot more scope for this, particularly if we do end up seeing the writ dropped. Um, I guess what I would say around all of that is these are excellent questions for Elections Canada. You got to get an Elections Canada person on the phone there and and uh, and see what's going on with them. Um, I think that that one of the things we might speculate on is just like a voting, uh, your voting card tells you where your polling place is, 
we may see a change this year where it's it's uh, maybe one uh, more than one day of voting. And if that's the case, then it could be a situation where it, it, your voting card now tells you this is your polling place and this is your voting slot. I don't know. But uh, but but it's all really interesting to speculate about. It is interesting. I still have my vote in the envelope over beer, Sachi, that that it's going to happen. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, even on the, the conversation around budgets for the different political parties kind of aligns with all this stuff, too. So you're on to something. I look forward to hearing more of what you have. Uh, Sachi Curl joining us here, executive director of Angus Reed Institute. Thank you so much for the insight and for sharing time. I know there's going to be more coming around this one, and I do look forward to reading it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Let's go to Jeremy in Alberta. Hey, Jer. Hey, how's it going? Good. What's on your mind, sir? Uh, not much. I'm just thinking, like, if, if there were to call an election, I had to go and vote. I would definitely go out there. I'd look at it kind of like an essential thing, just like going to get groceries, put on my mask, sanitize my hands, stay six feet away, no problem. Yeah, I agree. I think it's important. Not a whole lot different than probably safer than getting groceries, I was thinking. Yeah, that's kind of where I am, too. Like, uh, if it needs to be done, it needs to be done. I definitely don't really want to see it happen yet. But uh, yeah. if it had to be done, you know, I would definitely go out there and do it. Thanks, Jeremy. I'm going to quote you there with that one. If it needs to be done, it needs to be done. 877-399-9898. Uh, texter says this. I think the bigger question is, where would we vote? Most polling stations are in elementary schools, and I suspect there would be huge pushback against having hundreds of people going into elementary schools for an election. Uh, that is a very, very, very good point. Um, I myself will still vote, just like I have in every election since I turned 18, Ken in Calgary. Thanks for that. Let's go to Kel in Ladner. Hey, Kel. Hello. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I've been thinking um, about this for uh, quite a while now since they started talking about it. But the thing mm-hmm. is, um, I would have a problem like going and standing in um, a small elementary hallway with a bunch of people god knows who they are um and god knows what kind of shape they're in and the reason why is i share rent with my older brother and he's compromised immune compromised he's been battling cancer for the last three years so i would hate to be there in a place and you don't know what about um, what if they did an appointment cal if they could uh if they could have an appointment you know, for folks like you that were concerned and requested an appointment. So they said, you know, 2.30 on Tuesday, uh, that means the only person who's going to be lined up behind you, the guy who's for 2.35, right? Like, would that, something like that appease you a little bit? Yeah, I, actually, I, I recall now somebody, I heard somebody mention appointment. Um, that's okay. Um, I, I I would be up for that. I'd be up for mail-in ballots, too. Um, mm-hmm. That's not yeah, mail-in ballots get a bad rap out of the states, really, and I think that that spills over into one's perception of of mail-in ballots in Canada. The absent voting, um, you know, for my folks vote, you know, by the mail in in advance because you know they're too busy, you know, um, to go stand in line. Like for not too busy, excuse me. Uh, sometimes it's uh, tough for them to stand in line, you know, for twenty, thirty minutes, uh, you know, because they're yeah. older folks, right? Like. So, right. yeah, it's interesting. Thanks, Cal. I appreciate yep. the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the contribution, and I, I hope yep. your brother uh, knocks that out. Um, yeah, he's, he's getting better. He's still working. He does construction, so I don't know. Hmm. I, I, I've just got to think about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe lots yeah, of but- disinfectant and a mask and all that. Well, you're tossing it around in your brain, and that's where we start. Thanks for the call, sir. Yeah. Okay. You bet. All right.
Another texter says, yes, I'd vote. The sooner, the better, says that voter. Another vote, uh, texter, I don't throw your name in there so I can shout it out. Um, bus portable voting stations. That's interesting. Hey, that'd be a lot of buses though. But maybe you could do it with a transit, like in one door, out the back door. That's an interesting idea. You kind of go in one door, you get your vote done, you get out the back door. Next, next uh, Joe Blow gets in there and gets the vote done, right? Uh, let's go down to Cleveland and say hi to Nate in Ohio. So you do have an election coming up, Nate, in the fall. Uh, are you going to go vote yes. down in the States? Yes, I'm going to vote in person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, only about 50% of eligible voters in America actually go vote. So I've never yeah. had to deal with a line or crowds or anything like that. It's yes, not a whole lot different in Canada, Nate. It's in about the same numbers. What's that? It's about the same numbers in Canada. It's not a whole lot different. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so... I mean, if we're 330 million and you're. Well, 37. Yeah. It's always 10 to 1. That's the secret. That's the secret, basically. If if the problem is 10 times bigger in the States, we have the same problem. (laughs) Right. And so it's it's that simple. You just wear a mask, keep your elbows swinging. If somebody tries to monkey up on you, get a little too close in line, (laughs) you swing an elbow. All right, buddy. Thanks for the call, Nate. 877-399-9898. Swinging elbows in the election. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. I flipped through this um, on the Netflix today. We were looking for a new show, which, by the way, I found out today. So I used to watch The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air way back when I was younger. I thought it was a great show. I was a big fan of DJ Jazzy Jeff. Will Smith was amazing. And today we were looking for, they've pulled that 70s show off of Netflix, it seems, because we were watching that, but now it's gone. And we were heartbroken. And But they have the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on there. And I watched that show. And I realized as I watched that show, it was like watching my 15-year-old son on that show. Because he is like Will Smith. He is Master William. Uh, in the way that, is that a good uh, so, thing? I'm unsure. But it just goes to show that through the course of 30 years, nothing really changes in regards to the how the way uh, you know teenage boys behave, that's for sure. Anyway, I was flipping through Netflix, a small sidebar, flipping through Netflix. I saw Joe Exotic uh, on there, the Tiger King uh, show, and thought, you know what? I wonder if anything's going to come of that because I did watch it. Did you watch the uh, the documentary or the show or whatever the hell you call it? I was um, I was inside for eight weeks. What else was there to do at the time? Of course, I watched it. I, uh, Matt shook his head, though. I was busy washing my hair. <laughs> Are you okay? What kind of conditioner do you use, Matt? Um, I don't remember the name of it, but it's uh, it it works for me. Yeah. All right. I thought maybe we could get were you some doing? Hair were you using the tricks. pandemic to? We're using the pandemic to do that thing where you're like, okay, I'm inside for eight weeks. I'm going to do the thing where it takes six weeks for my hair to start cleaning itself and you stop washing it so it can start self-regulating. Uh, I wish I had the, the patience to sit through my own personal stink when it, when it came to, comes to that, but uh, I don't think I'm going to have. Oh, that's like the people who say no more deodorant. I'm just going to go all natural, some sort of zinc rub-on stuff. And, no, uh, and I'm not no. going to smell anymore once your body gets used to it. No, you always still smell. Yeah, no, I've got Those my routine. people are like anti-vexes. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my routine. I'm not going to change it. 
All right, 877-399-9898. Since we uh, started that, a couple more texts came in. I want to touch this. Uh, hey, Shane, I see a lot of New York plates in Niagara area. Every time I see one of them, I wonder where the person is here. Um, I even gave someone the finger. Well, you know, you can't do that because uh, essential workers, doctors, there are all kinds of people that are allowed to cross the border. And so why flip them the bird because of their license plate? Chris, um, Chris has got like this great perspective on it is just a license plate. <laughs> They're here because they're allowed to be. That's all you what? need to know. No one's breaking into the country from New York. Like, what? Ugh. It's true. It's true. I mean, you never know. They could what? be a doctor. Why are you giving people the finger, man? It's crazy. Ugh. All right. Are you Don't okay? do that. <laughs> Did you want to hit your pillow one more time? No, I'm, I'm good now. Okay. Are you okay? Are you okay with yet another Tiger King remake with Nicolas Cage as Joe Exotic? I mean, I would be even more lost, but, um, and I do share uh, movie guy Steve Stebbings' fascination and fandom with Nicolas Cage. He's amazing. And I think. As this character, he would probably excel. Yet, I'm not going to watch it. Wow. It does not interest me. And it's just part of this cultural phenomenon that just escapes me, baffles oh, me. Oh, you need to be the rebel. This is, he's being a rebel. I, I can hear it. I don't need to be. I just It's yeah. just not for me. It's just not yeah, for right. me. Let's hear the audio. Nicolas Cage is set to play Tiger King's Joe Exotic in a new limited series. Yep, you heard that right. E! News has confirmed that Cage will play the eccentric figure in an eight-episode scripted series produced by Imagine TV Studios and CBS TV. Based on the Texas Monthly article, Joe Exotic, A Dark Journey into the World of a Man Gone Wild. The show will explore how Joe Exotic came to be and how he lost himself in the character of his own creation. March of 26, they crawled in our park while I was gone at a funeral overnight in Chicago. And they blew up my alligator house in my recording studio and killed seven alligators and one crocodile and burned that to the ground. Cage will also be executive producing the series, which is separate from other Tiger King series in the work, such as the one with Kate McKinnon attached to play arch-rival Carol Baskin. And we've all seen Rob Lowe's Tiger King dress up on Instagram, which also revealed that he and Ryan Murphy are discussing their own Joe Exotic project. The real Joe previously expressed his picks for the actors he wants to portray him, including Brad Pitt and David Spade. But no matter who plays Joe on screen, one thing is for sure. Hollywood can't get enough of this cool cat. Wow, where do you start there? So if David Spade were Joe Exotic, I don't think he can be because I think that they could make a documentary about David Spade and his weird life. Well, he already was Joe Dirt. I think that's the thing, right? Is that he's already played Joe Exotic before. Which is yeah, what Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very well, by the way. Joe Dirt is great. It was great. Um, yeah. Nicolas Cage uh, and all of the Joe Exotics. I don't know. it, But you can't stop watching it, though. Tiger it's like King that. For me, yeah. It's like that car crash. Well, What? It's like it's like when you drive by a car crash, right? Like rubbernecking. You can't stop oh. watching it. Oh, I see. Like you just can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you can For also me? not start. 
watching it. <laughs> yeah, you could not crash the car. Oh dear. Oh man. I'm Shane Hewitt here on the shift. Atomic Dog. That's the best. I just keep that going for a bit, I think, here, Matt. We'll oh, go yeah. special here. Are you okay? Are you okay with the dog sitter keeping the dog? Uh, no, that's not how that works. You can't just keep it. Wait, 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 wait. Was it a cute dog? Well, maybe the dog sitter didn't get paid. Like, if the dog sitter didn't get paid, I think that that's, you just maybe you keep the dog. I challenge anyone to have not looked at a dog once and thought about keeping it when it wasn't theirs. I think everyone's um, had that thought at some stage. I can very clearly and comfortably say I've never thought about thievering a dog. <laughs> sure you have. I mean, you'd never go through with it, but you'd think about it. Yeah, well, that's why I think I'm okay with it, because I, I respect this person for actually going through with it. I like the it's rest not of the us same cowards. as when you're driving through a remote place. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same as when you're driving through a remote place and you're like, that would be a great place to hide the body. I mean, it's not like you think about it like that. Everyone no, you think, that. what an adorable small animal. I might just, you fit perfectly under my arm as I carry you home. <laughs> Dog thieves on the program. Okay. A pet sitter in Western Australia is allegedly refusing to give back an adorable four-year-old pet corgi back to the original owner after she went overseas. This is Haku, a four-year-old Pembroke Welsh corgi. Haku, Haku, come here. Good girl. A few months ago, her owners had to rush overseas, so they left her with a family friend. I still trusted him, and, and you know, 100%, because he was always, seemed to be a very nice guy. When Carmen and her family returned from overseas, the Gold Coast was in COVID lockdown. Carmen says they were happy to leave Haku with their friend for a while longer because the man was enjoying her company. And after the lockdown, I did approach and say, hey, I need... You know, maybe you should get my dog back. It's after lockdown. But months later, and despite their best efforts, Haku has still not been returned. I just feel like they just play with my sympathy. The man who has the dog has told Carmen he wants to keep Haku, but has since disappeared. The person who stole Haku has been approached by the police and he has now gone into hiding. With the help of Kiralee Cull from the Missing and Stolen Pets Queensland Facebook page, they're on a mission to get Haku back. The dog is legally microchipped registered in Carmen's name. You need to return my Haku. I can't take it anymore. It's taking so much toll on me. Nine News has spoken to the man who has Haku and he is adamant that he did not steal her. He says he believed she was left with him permanently. Police are investigating. That is a love for a dog if you're willing to go into hiding. Whoa. That's a good dog. Hmm. I might change my answer. <laughs> Don't not to stealing the dogs? Well, I'm going to add to it which is like from the perspective of that poor lady who lost her adorable corgi, like, yeah. But from the perspective of the person who took it, also, yeah. I can see both <laughs> sides of the argument. All right, broadcasting live from the top of the fence. This is The Shift with Sir Christopher, Matt MacArthur. I'm Shane Hewitt.
This is the Shift Daily Podcast. It is time for something that we like to call In Case You Missed It. In case you missed it on the radio, here's New Zealand's Chris Gilbert. Dang. Yeah. So, um, over the last month or so in this segment, I've played a few New Zealand stories, right? And a few Australian stories. And it's the end of the week and, um, you know, it's halfway through September. And so I thought I would treat us tonight. This is a throwback. Mm. So um, this is not a new story, but you did miss it. So, but it's worth telling. This is a story about like, you know, when you're inside something that's happening or you're inside a group or like, I don't know, like a music scene or whatever, you have no perspective from the inside of what's going on, right? You don't know what you are, but from the outside looking in, you can see something for like how silly or maybe ridiculous something is. That was me living in Tokyo about 18 to 20 months ago, looking at this story happening in New Zealand, thinking, oh my God, what is happening? So let me take you back to January 2019. The whole country of New Zealand completely lost its rag over a family of scallywag tourists causing mischief and hooliganism everywhere they went. The tourists were British and just did like like misdemeanors and petty crimes just all over the country. But the media like hooked on and every every day there was a new update on where this traveling family was. Like they're in Auckland and now they're in Hamilton. And, and, and so reports popped up all over the country and the media kind of followed them around. And the whole story just snowballed into this very like self-satirical situation. So... This is how it ended up. I'll just read the headline from like the end of the story cycle. This is how it ended up. We're scared to move. British gypsy family are in hiding over fears they'll be attacked by locals after becoming public enemies during a disastrous holiday in New Zealand. That's where the story went. So summer holiday, January 2019, it started small, it snowballed, and it snowballed until... Well, this is the end. Let's, let's play the first clip. We're like refugees in a Commonwealth country. It's here on this hill just north of Wellington that the families say they've been hiding out in tents for the past few days. The reason being is that we feel that we're going to be attacked by the locals. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, attacked. right? Right? So the headline, that was January 18, 2019, Rowdy tourists hiding in the mountains, fearing local attacks, <laughs> like just in a tent, like hiding in the mountains north of Wellington. But let's go back a few days. Let's go back a week. This whole thing started kind of innocently with just a, an act of, you know, public littering. Like it's not great, but it's also not the end of the world. It, it started in a uh, beach in the wealthy upper class Auckland suburb of Takapuna. Angry outbursts from what appear to be troublesome tourists have caught the attention of police. Officers are investigating after a group was filmed leaving a pile of rubbish on an Auckland beach before an angry confrontation with locals. Kim Baker-Wilson reports. Tough talk after being confronted about their litter. Moments after a group of holiday makers was told to tidy up their mess. All sparked by this 
at a North Shore beach yesterday. They left Corona boxes, Bundaberg boxes, there was clothing items, there was baby wipes. It's not the sort of like mess you'd leave on a, on a beach and expect it to be okay. When Krista Kuno confronted the group, a shock outburst and more shocking actions after that. And then I got my phone out to try to take photos and like videos of the cars while they were driving away and that's when he got in his car, revved his car and came straight for me. So I jumped behind a pole. Some who've seen the footage think there are striking similarities to problems in Australia last year. They don't appear to be concerned in any shape or form. When Irish tourists labelled brazen and disrespectful were accused of ripping people off and stealing in Queensland. Everyone can be the victim of a scam. Police here are now involved too, telling One News police will be speaking to those involved and referring them to counsel. Okay, so all they've done so far to warrant that news report is just litter on a beach a little bit and leave some beer bottles behind. And that's the report that it warrants so far. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But also, like, I wish you had. I wish we had the visual because that scrawny little, that scrawny little kid. I'll knock your brains out. It's this tiny kid with his shirt off and a huge hat on, like an oversized novelty hat, like Homer Simpson, where he's wearing like the camera in the hat. That's the kind of hat this kid's wearing, just threatening people. Anyway. He's that scrawny kid, he's defending his large uncle, and you'd think that would be the end of the story, right? They're litter bugs, that's it. Wrong, it continues. Facing the hard questions in a Hamilton car park, police and immigration authorities catching up with the controversial travellers after days of alleged dishonest and unsavoury behaviour in Auckland. So, they're in Hamilton now. Hamilton's about 100k south of Auckland. Uh, the family has travelled. Uh, in the meantime, there have been numerous stories in the press about their behaviour um, and also about their behaviour on the flight over to Auckland from the UK. Some say they left, uh, they were like just yelling and pacing the aisle on the flight the whole way. They left soiled diapers in the overhead compartment. And uh, yeah, now they're in Hamilton. And um, well, before we continue, any questions? So they're essentially being hunted for just leaving their their crap behind, essentially? Well, I would say so, yeah. Like, uh, it kind of started with leaving their crap behind, and then for some morbid reason, like, sorry, I mean, like, morbid fascination, like, sitting with this family, they become under the microscope, and, well, like, let's listen to what happened next. Have you been trying to rip businesses off around Auckland? Can you go away from me, please? Have you been trying to rip businesses off? No, never. The travellers clearly not keen to engage with One News, but it appears they had no hesitation engaging with the New Zealand public. Here, levelling abuse at two (laughs) Auckland women after allegedly ditching this trail of rubbish on Takapuna Beach on Sunday. It comes as the allegations too pile up that they've been refusing to pay for food at at least seven different Auckland restaurants and cafes. After asking for the price, they suddenly found a hair in their food. They pushed food into my hands and then ran out the door. So, um, yeah. So now they're, like, not paying for food and stuff. Just put yourself in my position for a second. Like, I haven't been home for a few years. I'm checking the news, and this stuff just happens every day. All I read about is this family. Every day. 
like ongoing like day after day after day. Every day is this happening. And so it just escalates. Like one day they're in Auckland and they're like, you know, littering a beach. And the next day they're in Hamilton and not paying for food. And it's not, and this, this is not like, like local provincial news, like in, like in Canada, right? Like your Ontario news or your city. This is mm. national news. And, um, it wasn't just one station. It was all stations. They all jumped on the bandwagon. And uh, they talked about the destructiveness of this family. So this, that was a TV and did before. This is their competitor, now uh, News Hub. Get away from me! The law catching up with the seemingly lawless at a Hamilton Burger King. Excuse me, I'm going to break that cover. I'm breaking it. Police and immigration issuing the notorious group with a formal warning after almost two weeks of alleged scams and destruction. Last night, leaving a trail of destruction in Auckland, the group headed to Hamilton, making their first stop here at a car dealership where they attempted to trade their two cars for one. When staff checked the van, they found five children in the back, but no seats, and the family were acting with their now trademark aggression. He was pretty arrogant. As soon as we walked in, he's approached my boss with a pretty rude tone in his voice and um, kind of rocked everyone up. Stories like these continue to emerge from their time in Auckland. Coffee Club, just one of the businesses claiming the group left without paying the bill. If we argument go for longer, then definitely they will go on a punch to my staff, yeah. All three of these restaurants behind me have been affected by the group. In the first, the manager says the group put ants in their meal to avoid paying the bill. At the second place, they put a number of hairs in a number of different dishes to leave behind a $250 bill unpaid. And in the third place, while they had to pay for their kebab up front, they attempted to steal kebab. the staff member's phone. This TV remote thrown from a high-level apartment is just part of the damage the infamous group has left behind at the a apartment they called a home remote. for a week. She didn't pay for Saturday. Not even a TV. And Saturday, apartment was totally mess, broken TV, damaged. Even the toilet was leaking. The executive manager <laughs> says the group had requested a year-long lease, but were instead happening? offered a studio apartment right? for a week, which they accepted before breaking into a bigger apartment and making themselves at home. Even with my housekeeping supervisor, I take him, I said, OK, how she get in? The apartment was locked. How did she can get in? So I don't know, maybe they try to pick up the lock or something. Sufi says he felt intimidated and threatened, and when they started stealing cleaning equipment and linen, he asked them to leave. Sufi says he recognised this woman's son as the boy from this video. Today, another outburst from one of the children. Hello, you can be finished. The group seemingly now finished with New Zealand. But just in case they change their mind, they now have 14 days to plead their case with immigration officials as to why they should be allowed to stay. So are you guys getting it that uh, this is kind of all getting out of hand? Really out yeah. of hand? I've learned two things here. First of all, yeah. I've never heard kebab before. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, how would you say kebab? Kebab. So but it's, it's K-E-B-A-B, -B, like, it, like it's the, rolled, it's the ro ingredients rolled around a pita bread. Sweet. Like and then the other roll. part is... I think it could be a, like, remember when, like, this is inappropriate, I'm going to say, but remember when bum fights was a thing 
mm-hmm. it was just amazing. Like yeah. everyone, I mean, it wasn't cool, but it was really like, you couldn't help but watch bum fights. I think that if, if someone took a sport of New Zealand's with heavy accents arguing, and then you throw a kid in there arguing too, I think that could be, that could be a thing to watch. That sounds amazing. Matty, do we have space for two more minutes or are we pressed? Let's do it. Okay, very quickly. Speaking of kids, all right, I want to cut right to the end here. This is the right to the end. Is a feral TVNZ reporter called Kim Baker Wilson, and he has been frothing at the mouth this whole time over this family. Days later, they go to court for allegedly stealing a Red Bull from a gas station. There's a media scrum outside, which ends with a group of fully grown adult reporters chasing a pair of frightened children down the street. What? This is a full-on media scrum. And before we play this clip, remember, this is over a Red Bull. Keeping her face hidden after admitting her guilt. (laughs) 26-year-old British tourist Tina Maria Cash, now convicted of theft. (laughs) Two of her supporters with her at the Hamilton District Court were also wanting to stay incognito. Why are you covering your faces and why did your friends steal? Her charges were over service station shoplifting from this Caltex on Auckland's North Shore. Suspicions first raised when security cameras caught this child making off out the door with a Christmas tree. Next day when I asked this, asked my colleague that where is our Christmas tree and we just randomly checked the camera, I mean we just checked the camera and uh, we come to know that they have stolen some other stuff as well. Tina Cash was there on New Year's Eve and then again just days later. Staff even asking her if she was the woman caught on camera. No, she said. She was confidently telling us, like, uh, no, that's not me. Her lawyer told the court she doesn't remember the stealing, but her supporter outside court said otherwise. Why did your friend steal? Convictions for just a fraction of what businesses in the Upper North Island say the tourists have done. Cash today became the fifth person from the group to be given marching orders by immigration officials. She was handed a deportation liability notice while waiting to appear in court. I'll be happy when the family is left. All came into the country on British passports, on visitor visas. Behaving badly is not uh, something that's tolerated uh, for visitors. In my time with immigration, I haven't seen uh, uh, such publicity or such a high profile for a group. Immigration says it'll be keeping a close eye on the group, with indications they'll leave our shores next week. Kim Baker Wilson, One News. Oh my goodness. And to the sound of screaming children running away from a group of reporters, that was the time that a group of scallywag tourists took over the media cycle in New Zealand. Wow. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio.